both of your time. It's all good. It's Jiggy Baby. While you've been out on the road Waiting for a new episode We've been thinking of you And just what you need Now that the show's underway I guess we can call it Call it a day You're all ready for The Bowfinger Show Welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. I am your host for this week, Austin Pryor, erstwhile of Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, and my guest for the week, having done more podcasts than I could mention, including a quite recent stint as host of this very podcast, is Luke Allen. Hello, they're all bored of me now. Um, we're, we're, they, they were so relieved when my Friday came about, and I'm back. You're back. Like, very, very like quick Like a very around. poorly done um, horror sequel. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is kind of thrown together at the last minute like a very poor uh, horror sequel. And um, yeah, and, and but like chronologically between the time of recording that and recording this is like a very long time for you um yeah i did did mine in december because i had like some stuff in january that i needed to do yeah yeah so yeah you did yours yours before the deadline like a good citizen um and like i did last year but uh i think things were whoo uh this year was tricky and uh jim has been very patient and kind about it and thank you but what it does mean is I was is all of my all of my plugs are out of date. Um, yeah, it's out this week. But I've I've gone through a rebrand, so like you know, oh, so we can we can you can know capitalize on that. Time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So what do you want to tell us? What's your current like uh, slate of plugs from your Ooh, rebrand? Start, start. So. Um, I uh, am running a a film production site, uh, askseeknock.co.uk, named after uh, a Bible verse, but uh, basically because my mentality was always, if you don't ask, you don't get, so I founded a company named off that. Uh, So you can visit there, email me, luke at askseeknock.co.uk. We're on socials, askseeknock23, and all my socials are now askluke.allen. But uh, yeah, that's why I'm like... I'm doing things. I'm making a, a this comedy sketch show. I've got some uh, a project at the moment. I'm doing a in the late stages of the editing for a stand-up comedy special for a comic that we're going to be putting through um, Amazon Prime Direct and things like that. So there there will be stuff out soon, cool. hopefully. Uh, and it's why I'm recording it in an office rather than in my room. I mean, it's it's no no one knows that difference, but I feel more professional because I've had to go somewhere to yeah, record. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of this working from home stuff that's so popular nowadays. Yeah, so we'll get back to our minutes. Today, we are shining our searchlights on Minute 81 of Bowfinger. Minute 81 has our intrepid cast and crew getting caught by Terry Stricter and his Mindhead mob. And we get a tiny bit of cast and crew 
back in Bowfinger International Pictures licking their wounds. Uh, so Luke, what did you think of this minute? Um, I yeah, and I really enjoyed it. And I also so the minutes I did, I didn't get much of a chance to talk about Terence Stamp. So Great. I liked having that kind of a, a, a little bit of him. And uh, yeah, it was a because I, I I mean I opened up the minutes and I hadn't even checked what the numbers were. So it was it's quite a nice different part of the film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm a fan, and it's you know we're reaching into the proper like conclusion of the story this week, and I think it's the only way this film could ever have ended. Yes, uh, but uh, on the other hand, it does feel like such a come down. It's like this is the minute of the buzzkill, you know, because mm. like for the last ten minutes of the movie, um, like increasingly since about minute like fifty, there's been a lot of action comedy. You know, that's yes. minute fifty was when we had the uh, the like GIF running across the highway, and um, yes. then it's like uh, you know for the last ten minutes now, there's just been this like amazing action comedy sequences like just relentless they're really going in late for the end of act three all is lost moment really. yeah kind of really late and uh and the like yeah so the structure is kind of interesting and you like it's genuinely unexpected in like this will be friday's minute now so i'm not going to dwell on it too much but but uh, on friday's minute there as in last friday um uh you know when he's just about to say gotcha suckers and he can't get it out and uh like i really never expect it to be stopped there and then you know and mm. then of course there's this whole yeah whole kind of other plot that unfolds um but like just the feeling of this minute is kind of a hard thing to pull off in a comedy because we're fun 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 action comedy action comedy action comedy and then it's kind of like you know it's just like dad coming in and and saying party's over go home you know yes yes because it's just like yeah it all gets gets ruined now you know because we the pacing of comedy is sorry i've just interrupted you not at all the pacing of comedy (laughs) um it's it's something that's so hard to to structure right you know i i recently wrote a um a script for a comedy drama. I don't expect it to ever see the light of day, but kind of fitting that pace in there. And, you know, I'm doing a, did a special for a stand-up comic recently and he did like an hour of like fast-paced fun jokes mm-hmm. and then probably about 10 minutes talking about his divorce mm-hmm. before it then led into jokes. And the jokes he then made after that, like it was perfectly placed and really well-timed. It all but built, yeah. If he, if he were to, if you were to pitch that, you know, oh, he does loads of stand-up and then he talks for about oh, his divorce for 10 minutes. Like, it, yeah. it shouldn't work. Uh, and so the whole rhythm and, and a writer and a filmmaker being able to figure out, are the audience on our side now enough for us to pull the rug out from under them, get rid of the jokes and yeah. keep them hooked? Um, yeah, because it's about, so, like, you, you, you buy the goodwill of the audience with your, like, you deliver you entertain them and you you know deliver the good jokes and you deliver the action and you're just like then you can kind of take it out from under them and 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 uh, play with it a bit more but uh cuz this film is weird like that because this this movie has like 
you know they talk about like rubber band reality the simpsons production team used to talk about rubber band reality where like they make the show deliberately like mundane and realistic about certain things and the family have to deal with money problems and they can't just have no issues but then it turns into a complete ridiculous physical comedy of you know homer falling down springfield gorge or whatever and get like uh, it's a difficult thing to pull off in live action it's much more forgiving in um cartoons because you're kind yes. of you can suspend your disbelief much more easily uh because this movie kind of grounded characters and you know the the very opening of it with the setting up Bowfinger in his home and it's just a guy trying to make a movie and it's just it feels like a very grounded real thing and then before you know it we're just like expected to believe these you know ridiculous leaps of logic and of like how you know perfectly coincidental uh Kit Ramsey's paranoid delusions are with the um with the setup of the movie and stuff but like it's all so good and it's so so much fun and the film does a great job of earning and and taking you on that journey because like if you see if you watch bits of it just on its own as i've obviously doing in the kind of movies by minute context it's like wow how did i how did i kind of buy this you know yes it's it's really odd because yeah it's very absurd moments but very real characters which is a very hard mix to yeah. to hit um and i but the comedy kind of almost comes from a sort of fish out of water thing but similarly a lot of the surreal stuff as someone who's worked a lot in indie film especially in recent years like it's within my reality some of the stuff that's going on yes here. like yeah. i i know people who do this sort of thing who put their lives on the line to get a good film made like it happens <laughs> and it's 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 insane but it's 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 art you you get so caught in so fixated on getting the perfect shot that you'll yeah. stand on the other side of the barrier on the top of a rooftop you know things like yeah. that it's it's, it's no names named uh, yeah. in that regard <laughs> um but it's it think things like that where it's like you know what like in any other circumstance it would be a no but because you're making art you make something that you're so passionate about it's it's there and all of the characters in this i talked about this quite a lot in 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 my episodes but all of his crew all of his actors um spend one day on any indie film set and you will meet every one of those people yes yeah (laughs) the archetypes the um yeah yeah and it's 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 true and it's like what you say about art is like it's funny the ob- and the obvious kind of dig to make would be like well they're making chubby rain it's not exactly art but it's like that's not really how how it works because if you're into movies and if you're into um making you know making movie magic happen you're like you're treating it as art you're you're really yeah, dedicated to, to it yeah. yeah exactly and and like all those you know films that are enjoyed ironically like you know i don't know the room and samurai cop and whatever platoon warriors you know they're all they were made they weren't probably some of them were made by hacks who didn't care but like usually they're they're like passion projects and yeah vanity projects too but it's like genuinely so funny yeah because you can tell they they care yeah and like that that does sound cruel but yeah you you can tell and you can also tell and i don't know how 
But I've, you can always tell when you're watching a film or a show as to whether the cast and crew are enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, it kind of bleeds through. It can still be a really good performance either way, but there's just something in it where you go, they wanted to be here or they didn't want to be here. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and you, you can properly see it. But yeah, you know, art is, is, is interesting. You know, I'm having really in-depth conversations with the director at the moment about... Um, a secret agent lab and everything else uh, for a gag about felt tip pens for a two minute comedy sketch that most people are going to kind of chuckle at and then, I don't know, scroll by on YouTube or, you know, <laughs> yeah. flick over on TV. We're having in-depth conversations about what colour coat represents what and how yeah. it all kind of... And it's... it's and you have to. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, like... Because if the audience's eye goes to a part of the screen that you're not expecting to and if they look at something in the background and if it's off and if it's just if it reminds them of the artifice if it reminds them that it's all just make believe in that moment then the joke doesn't land and the thing you know and it's like it's um yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy when you watch some comedies and think about how elaborate the production is sometimes it's like well yeah but it wouldn't be as funny yeah. if it didn't feel real if it didn't if they didn't have all the set dressing and all yes, of the kind of yes. props right and everything like that and it can be the tiniest of, of things so like I'm I'm sure it will come up in other points I'm working as production manager on a, on a TV pilot uh, set in a Wrexham care home now we're not filming in a care home we uh, converted a place in, in Gaboin on Oswald Street to kind of look like this care home yeah and so We've got, you know, you go to scenes in the reception and we've got business cards and posters and flyers out, which are probably never going to be caught intentionally by the camera. Yeah. But you catch a glance at it or the actors are in the space with that and they believe in the reality. Like no one's going to go, oh, what is this phone number on the business card? Oh, is that an email address? But it, you know, all the information is there. It all fits this reality that you've put together and it does make a difference. Yeah. And whenever you see a set without those things, like a low budget, like somebody's making their their comedy sketch or their yeah. you know YouTube show or whatever, and it just you whenever you see like a bare set that they obviously stripped some room to make it seem less like their own yes. room and more like some other place, and it just screams fake and unprofessional production when you see like a really bare yes, set. In, in so it almost of... doesn't matter what the things are, like as long as they fit this uh, fit the you know the the kind of environment you're going for it's like yeah just just have something there and if there's going to be something there it kind of has to be the right thing you know <laughs> yeah and in a lot of soaps and sitcoms uh well not not, sit, not much sitcoms a lot of soaps student films things like that you often see like say you go to like a teenager's bedroom yeah and you can tell those posters were put up today yeah. That this this room has not been lived in. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's it's hard to get that. But I remember I was helping with some of the set deck uh, team on this pilot Henry House, and like we built this kind of living room and it looked fantastic. And then it was like, oh, but all the tassels on the on the rug are straight. So mm. now we need to kind of scuff it up, roll yes. things over it, make it look as though it's it's lived in because. Yeah. Those are the tiny things. It's once again, the audience aren't going to go, hang on, this isn't real. This isn't real because that rug's too flat. But something subliminally is there that reminds them that this isn't true and that someone's put it together. Definitely. So, um, yeah, so we come to the line. uh, This film is only for Madagascar and Iran, neither of which accept American copyright or trademark law. 
Um, <laughs> this is a, an interesting thing for Bowfinger to say at this moment. Mm. It it works. It's you know it's. Uh, thankfully, I've never needed to do stuff like this. But you know, I have turned up uh, on film sets with a fold. I've probably got one of them here. It's not really anything for the listeners, but with a folder like this, full of like legal policies and stuff yes. to throw back on anyone who kind of says, "Hang on, you're not allowed to film here. You're not allowed to do this." It's like, well. Here's the rules of filming in public. Here's, yes, you know the law for and everything to kind of throw back. Yeah. Uh, so no, I've never had to talk about copyright law of Madagascar and Iran. But also him saying it hit me a little bit as yeah, yeah no, I, I would bring that level it, of prep and notes if I were in his shoes. No, it's brilliant. It's like it's it's like this last ditch. The only thing he can think to say in that moment because he has he has this prepared thing where look, if I get caught or if anything happens, I can always just say this, which, yeah. like, what? But I, don't, I can't actually think, because it definitely doesn't help him in this situation. But no. I'm asking myself, what's, <laughs> what situation would it actually help him in? Because it sounds like a good, useful legal disclaimer until you break it down and think about what it actually means. Because it's like, he's talking about distribution, that's nothing yes. to do with filming permits and with like getting permission of Kit Ramsey or anybody else or having permission to film in that location or yes because it's or, still or being, filmed within the states yeah so it's you've like got to, it doesn't, you've got to go by it, it yeah. doesn't I can't think not just Chubby Rain but any other film like if he's filming somewhere he shouldn't be if he's doing something dodgy like what's copyright law got to do with that that's film distribution on the side of it you know what i mean um so it's like uh, yeah um also it's total nonsense as far as i can tell i could find nothing on copyright law in iran or madagascar that says they don't you know um because copyright law has been pretty much harmonized all around the world Yes. Um, through trade deals that the u.s has made and imposing their will on the world and all of that and um I know that in China, for a long time, what they would do is they would sign the trade deals and sign the like copyright harmonization um, protocols or whatever, and then just not do them. You know, just not not observe them. So they were like, as as the Chinese economy was was growing and they were getting turning into kind of state capitalism, they would they just didn't enforce any of that copyright stuff because they wanted to develop the economy and just let people copy dvds and do whatever they needed to do to kind of make money and and um nowadays they um well nowadays that now that the profit is gone from piracy um they uh and also that they're kind of more mature economy and they're like trying to improve their relationship with the u.s Uh, recent developments in the last couple of years aside they have you know recognize copyright more in there but that that's kind of like just a, a more casual thing that like yeah they never they never didn't recognize u.s copyright law they just didn't kind of enforce it you know uh yeah, so i, I, think, I can't I think, think of any fingers, examples where 
I think Bowfinger's just, he's the king of BS, basically. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, if you say that to the right person, they don't look it up. I mean, even the fact that you have looked it up exactly. proves yeah. that there's a level of the way that he says it that you think, that could be true. Yeah, totally. And sometimes, sometimes that's enough. <laughs> yeah. It's enough that someone who, like, goes to ask you, hang on, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, well, these copyright laws. Yeah. Oh, yeah, clearly, you know, we're covered. On. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's probably there probably is somebody who would be bamboozled enough and said like, well, he seems to know what he's talking about. He's probably, he's probably legit. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it strikes me as this kind of um, similar to this kind of defense that these guys. Have you ever heard about these guys in the U.S. sovereign citizens? Rings they, a bell. I don't they, know they why they use this. They use this bizarre legal argument that has been like completely discounted and completely is that like if you declare yourself a sovereign citizen um that the uh, there's some mumbo jumbo about like the coercive power of the state and how you don't actually have to um pay your taxes and observe uh road laws and all of that um because if you declare yourself like a sovereign citizen your rights are inalienable under the constitution and somehow the laws need to apply it, it is like it is absolute nonsense and it has been it's been um you know dismissed time and time again but there's videos on youtube of like people trying to use this defense and saying like no i don't have to you can't detain me you can't you know and um there's just like yeah it, it's infuriating <laughs> it's nonsense i think if we're, if we're talking about you know people trying to dodge um tax my absolute favorite instance of this was the late ken dodd um who where when he was asked why he didn't pay inland revenue he said he didn't think he had to because he lives by the sea (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great oh it's fantastic um but yeah i think this is overall just such a such a great minute and i said earlier about um terence stamp is yeah i didn't get any of it i don't think he was in much of what we had before and he's he's so he's so good in this film and like i mean for me i'm i absolutely adore last night in soho so that that for me mm. is the the pinnacle terence stamp role obviously a very recent role but yeah like the moment i saw him i was like last night in soho because i yeah. just i would if if i had all the time in the world that would i would be on that would be right on my list to do a minute by minute mm, on. I I must confess I haven't seen it. Any film that came out in the last five years, there's a very good chance I haven't seen it. Um, but uh, especially the last uh, year. Um, so uh, yeah, I, it's definitely on my list. And um, yeah, so it's nice to be talking about a 1999 film back in the days when I used to go to the cinema frequently. Yeah, yeah. Five years <laughs> before I was born. Intermediately. So. Uh, five years before was, you were born that's right yeah, yeah yeah while I was still while I was still rocking the cinema um, f- uh, yeah five years before you were born um, and you are and sorry you are what age now? Uh, 19 you're 19 now yeah yeah good stuff um, so yeah so I thought it might be fun to play around with some of this uh, newfangled AI the kids are talking about I kind of feel, um, I, I don't know, like, I, I have conflicted feelings on this because I'm like, I'm interested yeah. in technology and the possibilities of it and all that. But like, AI is like basically a grift and it's, I don't endorse it. It's not like this, this wave of AI now, which isn't even, 
intelligent. It's not even AI. It's just yeah. Shall, shall we say machine as we're learning about copyright law? Uh, as we're talking about copyright yeah, law, yeah. But in regards to AI, we are on the side of the writers in the in the current. Um, oh, very much, uh, and writers. it is like I know this isn't current now necessarily when you're listening, but like th- well, AI it is because be this is going out in a few place. days because I'm so close yeah. to the deadline. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like no no definitely on the side of the writers and like ai is kind of a or this generation this like language model is basically a, like a copyright grift to like use piles yeah. of other people's writing um and kind of disaggregate it so that it can't be you you, you know it's not obvious who you're plagiarizing because you're kind of plagiarizing all of english at once you know um but, but on the other side of the debate it's funny it um, is funny so. and that's kind of yeah yeah and and it's just such a curiosity that i um i i really do i have kind of indulged in playing with it so i i was talking to chat gpt and i asked it to become bobby bowfinger for me so that i could interact and um yeah so it was like well you tell me whether it did a good job or not so i asked i asked my fake bobby bowfinger bobby how did you feel when terry stricter stopped you filming at griffith observatory well let me tell you that was one heck of a moment my friend when terry stricter shut us down at the griffith observatory I gotta admit, I felt a mix of frustration and disappointment. As a filmmaker, I'm always pushing the boundaries and trying to make my vision come to life, but sometimes you run into roadblocks. But you know what? It didn't deter me. Not one bit. I faced countless obstacles in my career, and this was just another bump in the road. Sure, Terry Stricter tried to rain on my parade, but I'm Bobby Bowfinger, and I don't give up that easily. I regrouped, rethought my plan, and found creative ways to keep the cameras rolling. After all, in this crazy world of Hollywood... Oh my God, he goes on a bit, doesn't he? After all, in this crazy (laughs) world of Hollywood, you've got to be resourceful and think on your feet. So, while I felt a momentary setback, it only fueled my determination to make my movie against all odds. And boy, did we turn things around. Remember, my friend, in the face of adversity, the key is to stay focused, adapt, and keep pursuing your dreams with unwavering passion. That's the Bowfinger way. <laughs> I, I, I can picture, I can picture, um, yeah, Steve Martin delivering that. It's like it's not a terrible job, definitely, but it's like he's not that verbose. He doesn't go on and on and kind no. of repeat himself as much. I think Chat GPT seems to repeat itself quite a lot and rephrase things and say the same kind of sentiment again. Um, and also, I don't know if he uses the word my friend in the movie at all but this but chat gpt is like constantly using my friend um but he's like i don't know it's also you know bowfinger in the movie he does give speeches he does kind of you know go on but he's he's usually just trying to convince somebody of something and and doesn't want to he's not really a blowhard he doesn't just constantly talk you know what i mean and he doesn't he he doesn't just go on about himself. He's like trying to get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing always, you know. It's like what's the angle, you know? And so I um yeah, I don't think they've done a an amazing job at capturing that. But uh yeah, I had I, there's some more kind of fun interactions with him. I I was curious about um like the fact that these language models are trained on, you know, big, you know, piles of the English language so that movies themselves like the final movie 
maybe they'd have a transcript of a movie or maybe they'd have the script but in general movies are kind of a blind spot for these ai models because they don't know what happened in the film like i'm sure it will develop ai will develop to the point where whole films are being kind of digested in and they'll use computer vision to analyze the movie and recognize all the faces and recognize the events and seeing what's happened um and then using like um voice recognition to process all the speech and generate it into text and analyze the text and do all that but like we're not at that stage with ai yet um or, or probably just a budget thing and, and like a, a server thing because you'd be just talking about like orders of magnitude more compute power and, and server space to kind of digest all that data compared to text you know um yeah and it well, i get what you mean as well about it not fully getting like the whole context or the whole the whole plot because i just so when you were talking about this i didn't like i hadn't thought about using chat gpt to pretend to fake interview like a character so i quickly put it through for kit ramsey and I asked it about like when it first read. I said, "Did you ever see the script for Chubby Rain?" And it was talking about how much he loved the first time he read it when Bobby sent it. His good friend Bobby Bowfinger sent it to him. Wow! And I'm like, that's not. You've just that's been, not the film. You've just been uh, doing that in the background not, now. Yes. Nice. Yeah. But that's not the film. So no, it, it hasn't not. got the the full context. The, no. the, the Snapchat AI is is irritating me at the moment. Um, because on, on Snapchat they've now added a thing, but all of its knowledge is from two years ago. Oh yeah. So like it doesn't know the current prime minister. There've been yeah. two. There've been well, like, yeah, three yeah, There's been so further many on since. from that one. Yeah. Um, it, I was asking it something about Doctor Who, and it was like there is no evidence that David Tennant is returning to Doctor Who, and I was like, mate, come on. Oh, everyone it. knows now. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. and just just little just little things like that where it's like you know what, it's not an awful, but it's also just significant things like the monarch of the united kingdom uh you know have changed <laughs> things in the like last that two years yeah have, yeah have changed yeah events dear boy yeah yeah um yeah i've come up against that same timeline when chat gpt it pro- I'm, I'm sure um the snapchat one is is, is just chat gpt re-implemented in, in snapchat you know what i mean and it would have the same data set or whatever but um yeah because uh it, it has warned me a couple of times that like my information only goes up to 2021 um but uh yeah so i i because of this question of whether it got the plot or not i had to ask it like um what was the end result did you get the film finished uh so so Bobby Bowfinger AI said, absolutely, my friend, again with a my friend, despite all the hurdles and setbacks, we managed to pull it off. Against all odds, we completed the film titled Chubby Rain. It wasn't easy. Let me tell you, we had to get creative, working with limited resources and finding ways to shoot scenes without permits or big budgets. But you know what? It turned out to be a stroke of genius. Chubby Rain became a cult classic beloved by audiences all around the world. It had that raw, gritty charm that only <laughs> had only come from independent filmmaking. And guess what else? We had a star-studded cast. We managed to get Kit Ramsey, the famous action star, played by none other than Eddie Murphy himself, to be part of our movie. <laughs> it was an incredible experience working with such talented individuals. Yeah, so the, the reality slipped there for uh, poor old ChatGPT. It, it, uh, it got quite confused about the, um, the levels there. Chubby Rain yeah. may not have won any major awards, 
but it made people laugh, and that's what matters most to me. It proved that passion, perseverance, and a little bit of guerrilla filmmaking can go a long way. So, my friend, never underestimate the power of determination and a ragtag team of dreamers. Against all odds, we got that film finished, and it remains a testament to the resilience of indie filmmakers everywhere. Okay, so, um, you know, that's that's our version of Bobby Bowfinger here. It's it's not it's not awful, and it's yeah. you know, it, the, the the progress that AI and just technology as a whole has taken in probably the last five ten years is kind of terrifying. It is, but like we also just kind of like accepting it. It, it. I think that's what's more scary. We're all like, oh yeah, this is fun, as if we've, we've like none of us have seen any like low budget sci fi movies. Uh, yeah, but I don't <laughs> think I don't like the risks that we face because of AI. Um, welcome to Bowfinger Minute, where we discuss the risks that we face because of AI, um, uh, are not really the risks that have been explored in no. in TV and movies. Intellectual They're, property and exactly. things like that it was, was, never, not, was not delved yeah, into at yeah. all. So that about wraps it up for another episode. Listeners, you can find the Bowfinger Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play are at the main site bowfingerminute.com and if you have time please do like subscribe and review the show on apple podcasts join us on facebook at welcome to mindhead the bowfinger minute listener center and on twitter at bowfinger minute we'll be back tomorrow with another bowfinger minute but in the meantime keep it together 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 i'm keeping it together k-i-t K-I-T, keep it together, keep it together, I'm keeping it together. Keep it together, children. I hope that we will see you again. Cause there's always one more show. There is One more show. Jiggy, baby.